Well, this morning is uh, the third part of a three-part series. The entire church has been going through a series on church membership, and this is the end. So next week, which is February the 1st, we will be jumping back into our Hebrew study. So we left off there before Christmas, and we had a couple other things that we went through, and we'll be jumping back into Hebrews next week. So I'm excited about that, um, but also excited to finish up um, our series. Now, you've got a handout. I'm going to reference that, um, and I want you to just kind of fold that up, put it in your Bible, and it's something for you to check out later. But I wanted to go ahead and get it in your hands so that I'm not in the middle of teaching and then have to have to pass it out. Um, so um, what we're going to do today is, uh, in our, our third part of church membership, when you join East Cooper Baptist Church and you go through the new members class, which the next new members class is this weekend, by the way, sign up online if you're interested in that. Um, we are encouraging you to become members. The first week we talked about membership and, and where in the context of the whole Bible we see membership displayed. And it's a very biblical thing, and it is something uh, that we can see clearly throughout Scripture. Uh, last week we talked about two of these five commitments that East Cooper asks of its members. And today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, commitment number four and commitment number five, which is one, serve uh, with your time, talent, and treasure, and to reach out locally and globally. So last week we talked about these two, and you might say, well, Danny, what about the first one? We never talked about it. Well, originally in the curriculum, it was set up to where week one we talked about where membership is shown in Scripture, and then we were going to talk about commitment number one. And as I was looking at the content, um, and I think that there's a lot of people um, who struggle with the idea, does the, does the Bible actually say you should become a member of a church? And I thought it was important for us to spend a lot of time actually seeing where the Bible points in that direction. And so I thought this is the one thing, worship God together, which uh, is displayed in our corporate worship services, sitting under the teaching of our, of our senior pastor or whoever happens to be preaching. Um, this is the one commitment that most people kind of naturally do. So I, I'm not trying to minimize that, but that's what most people do. And unfortunately, there's a misconception with a lot of people that they see that commitment to church is going to the church service, and that's kind of, kind of it. And what we're trying to change as a body here at East Cooper is that there, there's definition to membership, that there is commitment to membership, that, that being a part of the body of Christ as a Christ follower is, is more than just, you know, coming for that, for that hour. And I appreciate you all being here for this class as um, that's displayed in the second commitment here. Um, so that's, that's, that's the brief why I decided to just not spend a whole lot of time on that one because most people are already doing that. Um, several years ago, um, before I was married, um, I had a good friend of mine who was a personal trainer. And um, we had a group of friends, we all hung out, and I never played high school sports seriously. Anyway, I think I, I went to a real small school and we didn't, have, we didn't have a workout facility or anything like that. So I never, I never did the workout thing, you know? Like, I, I liked playing basketball and I liked playing ultimate frisbee, but I never did the workout thing. And um, I was at a point in, in my life where, uh, I had hit some bumpy roads, and I was discouraged about some things, and I was, uh, had really put on some weight. And my buddy kept telling me, he's like, Danny, um, I, can, I can work you out. I mean, this is what he did professionally. And he's like, 
And if you, if you, ever, if you ever want to do some training, just let me know. And I kind of heard that, and the way I processed it in my mind was zero interest. <laughs> you know, like, thanks, but that sounds like work, you know? Um, and so I had never done it before. I had never been trained in weightlifting and all that kind of stuff. And he just kind of just kind of laid it out there every so often. He's like, hey, man, if you ever, ever want to work out, just let me know. And finally, I got to a point where I was feeling pretty terrible, and I was not in shape at all. And it hit me, and I was like, I have this guy who's a professional personal trainer, which is expensive, um, who's sitting here offering over and over um, to, to take me on a, on, a, on a workout plan. And um, since I work here at the church, and the church here has a little school, and the little school here has a weight room, <laughs> I had keys to this weight room, and I was like, all right, man, well, I'm up for it if you want. He's like, all right, well, where should we go? And I was like, well got the keys you know so we would uh he would come over to my house early in the morning and we would I lived about a mile away and we would run over here and we'd open up the building and and go in and it was basically a closet with a bunch of free weights and he he taught me and he trained me in a lot of things that I just had never been taught and trained in before just you know a lot of practical stuff a lot of nutrition stuff and he just told me stuff and told me stuff and told me stuff and taught me stuff how to I had never benched my body weight before in my life. I never even come close. He worked me up to being able to do that at one point. And, like, and it just felt really good. And, and I saw a lot, of, a lot of growth. Now, the parallel that I'm drawing here is, is I think that a lot of people, including myself for significant portions of my life, we kind of view church sometimes, and I'm not trying to pin this on you specifically, but I think broadly speaking, a lot of people look at church as kind of the personal trainer. And, and, the, and the personal trainer-trainee relationship is ultimately all about the one being trained, right? Like this was a good friend of mine, but, um, and I was doing what he told me to do, but he was kind of the one doing the work, right? He was the one that was putting into me, and he was the one who was telling me what to do. He was the one who was showing me, and I, and I did what he told me to, and I saw results, um, but it was very much this personal trainer thing. And I think a lot of times, especially in the West, and even more so in America, a lot of times church can be a just sit and listen, right? And this class is kind of designed to be similar. I mean, it's, it's lecture style, but, and, and that can kind of sink into our psyche a little bit to be just that church is a place where you really do just come and get trained so that you can get strong um, and then you go about your business, right? And what we see in Scripture and what we see in uh, these last two commitments that East Cooper asks of its members, that church is less like a personal trainer, trainee relationship, but more like a, follow the example, <laughs> more like a professional sports team uh, that you've been recruited for, okay? And, and let me kind of tell you what I mean by that. You know, if you're a professional athlete um, and you get recruited and you, and you sign a you sign a contract to play, there's a whole lot of expectation on your part, right? Like you can't just sit there and say, "Well, I'm I'm awesome," and so now you you just you just put into me. You know, you just put all your resources into me. You know, there's expectation that you're that you're there. There's expectation that you're contributing to the team and you work together as a team to accomplish the goals of the team, which in the professional athletics world. Is, is wins, is, is victories. 
And in the church, the goal is godliness and evangelism and discipleship. And, and East Cooper is not the one recruiting you, but I would call that uh, your conversion. You know, when God did the work in your heart and in your life um, to, to put conviction on your heart and, rec- and take you to the place where you need, where you saw that you needed the gospel, that was your, your recruitment, right? Um, and then we are, as a church, we are part of the training facility, um, but there's expectation on your part too. That you're part of this. And together, we go for the win, which is godliness. Together, we work together for that end. Not simply just you be trained by me, the personal trainer, um, and then go about your business. So when we look at it in that context, um, what we don't want to do as a church is just sit here and say, hey, now that you're in, you know, you need to be, you know, we need you to be doing all these different things. So I want to unpack what it means to serve um, by the by definition of serving in your time, your talent, and your treasure. I remember when I was in high school, um, I was a junior, senior, and everybody when you're when they're a junior and a senior in high school goes through times when you really think you're busy. You remember that? You know? And now that you live a real life, you're like, I wasn't busy. <laughs> you know? Uh, but I remember there was a time when I was involved in I don't know, student government, I had a job also, and blah, 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 and all these different things, and I remember whining and complaining to a friend of mine, like, I'm so, I'm so busy, and I have something going every night of the week, and this is what my friend said to me very uh, blankly, he said, he said, well, everybody's got 24 hours, you know, I was like, thanks, <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't need to hear that, um, but it, something sunk in, and I remember that, I mean, that was a long time ago for me now, but I remember at that moment thinking, like, I wonder who the busiest people are in, in the world, and for some reason, I thought about Bill Gates, and I was like, well, he's leading this multi-million or multi-billion dollar business, whatever, and I was like, he has the same amount of time as I do, like, the same amount of time, which means he has to manage uh, that, that time kind of just like I do. And it's interesting when you look at time um, that that is one, I think one of the few ways that God has made us all astonishingly equal. I mean, we are equal in the, in the eyes of God and that we are all sinners in need of a Savior and that we're all equal in the eyes of God that He loves us deeply and desperately. But ultimately, we have different gifts, we have different talents, we look differently, we have different educations, um, we have different abilities. I mean, we have different struggles. We have different um, areas in our life that um, we're proficient at. I mean, we're just different in a lot of ways. But in time, I mean, it doesn't matter if you have a, a doctorate or you, or you don't. You still just have your 24 hours, you know, which means that in order to use your time, um, it, it has to be strategic and intentional. And there, at some point, there has to be sacrifice some way, somewhere in some way. And we see that as very clear that if, if you are a part of a local body and all the scripture that we've looked at over the last two weeks that talk about how when you become a member that you are part of, of the body. And even though that is a, um, that is figuratively speaking, there's a, there's a very true spiritual uh, reality in that. Um, just like you have new life, um, that is not um, untrue. You have new spiritual life in the same way you are still part of this body, and you have a role, and if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, use that, um, it's gonna demand your time. You can't have a role and, and it not demand 
your time. It, w- it wouldn't make any sense. If you would, flip to Galatians chapter 6, please. Again, we're going to be flipping around and looking at some of these texts. Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. 9 and 10. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. It says this, And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, we've looked at, we've looked at this text, I believe, the, both of the last two weeks. You know, doing good at the end of the day is not a reference to just behavior. It is, it is, it is a process of doing godly things. And this, this specific text is drawing attention that you are doing those things in the body of Christ. And that simply takes time. And I'm not trying to be overly simplistic here. All right? But if you're going to reach out in any way, if you're going to serve in any way in this church, it is going to take your time. Now, over the years that I've done ministry, um, it's been interesting to see that you have people who are incredibly capable, people who have all the characteristics of something like leadership. You know, they've got the personality, they're uh, reliable, um, but a lot of times the people who have the personality and are, and are reliable, what they don't often have is, is time sometimes because they're, they're just committed to all sorts of things. And they, and they might say things like, I, I want to be available, I want to be a leader, I want to take charge in this, I want to I own this. Like, okay, well then let's talk about what that looks like. Oh, well, I can't do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday night. You know? <laughs> what about the weekend? It's like, well, I mean, the weekend's good except for when I go away to the Clemson game. Okay, well, well what about you know, off in the offseason? Well, my, you know, my folks live out of town. It's like, okay, well, what about, you see what I'm saying? It just demands time. And again, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic, but I believe that we live in a culture where time, in a lot of ways, is more valuable than the money. Sometimes it's more difficult to give of your time than it is even to tithe your money sometimes. Um, we live in a world that, that demands kind of all of you. And, and probably many of you, as you're early in your careers, are seeing that. I've got a buddy of mine who just took a new job in the marketing world in Charlotte, and um, I was talking to him about it, and he said something about the time off. He asked his new employer about uh, how much vacation he gets because he's been in the field for a while. And um, this was his response, and maybe you work in a place that says this, but they said to him, like, uh, we don't really have vacation days. Um, But you know, you're welcome to take really all you want. Um, but there's an expectation that you're going to get your job done, you know? And so it's kind of this, it feels kind of cool in one sense of like, okay, well, as long as I'm doing, uh, get my job done, then I can take all the time I want. Well, I don't know if you've ever been in a place, but have, have any of you ever uh, gone throughout the, the year and not burned all of your vacation days if you're in an environment like that? I mean, I, I have, not on purpose, but it's kind of like I'm busy, you know, and demands my time. And it's like I want to do this well. I want to do this with excellence. And so it's kind of like, yeah, you can have a little vacation days you want. Just get your job done, you know. And so it's, it's kind of like free but tight, you know. And, um, you know, for those of you that know, you know, anything about 
you know, you've traveled abroad, um, you know that in uh, most parts of the world, you know, you start with four or five weeks of vacation, you know, as a newbie, you know, and I know people, and maybe you're in this situation where you don't get a week of vacation your first year. I know people like that, and it's like, whoa, okay. You know, so there's this, there's this demand on your time. And through scripture we see that in order to be a part of the body, body, for you as that part of the body to be used to accomplish the goals of the church, as we, as we discussed the first week, it's simply going to demand some time from you, which is going to take sacrifice. Um, I know many people in here serve throughout this church. Uh, music ministry, children's ministry. There's a, we have a friends ministry, which is um, uh, special needs kids which is a one-on-one thing so that their parents can actually go and uh, worship. And sometimes this is the only opportunity for their parents to um, have some time when they're not with their special needs child. It's a great ministry. Um, I know several of you um, serve as uh, D group leaders, guys and girls, which is in our, in our high school ministry. And uh, often, if you notice, there are people that stand up and leave this class early. Um, and a lot of them are off to get to their post, you know, because they're serving somewhere. And I just think that that's, that's cool. But it takes their time, you know, it takes their time. So I don't want to belabor that anymore. But in order to be a part of the, of, of, of the church, in this sense, they will demand time. Next is talent. Um, now, let me define talent. If you are a Christ follower, all right, if there's a point in time in your life where you recognize you're a sinner in need of a Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, you were given, by the Holy Spirit, a spiritual gift, which came at conversion. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know exactly what that is. We're going to talk about that. But that is very different than a natural talent. A natural talent might be something like impeccably good looks. Um, just kidding. Um, you know, natural talent might be uh, musical ability, um, people skills. I mean, you go on and on with what natural, a natural talent. And a believer or non-believer has those. But Scripture outlines specific spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are gifts that are designed from the very beginning to be used in the body of Christ. That is the role that you play. We all have natural talents, but only believers have spiritual gifts. Um, and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of scripture that speaks to this, and that's why I put it in a handout in front of you, okay? Because there's a lot of confusion on this. There's not a lot of teaching on this sometimes, but scripture addresses it quite a bit. We're going to look at one text, and it's one of the more significant texts, but we're only going to look at this one this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So flip there if you would. Again, we have looked at this a couple times over the last few weeks as we have looked at um, spiritual gifts and all being part of the body. 1 Corinthians 12.1 It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Jump down to verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
What we see in verse 1 is uh, the statement, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, meaning that the author here is writing to the body saying, this is something that you need to learn about. We don't want you to be confused about this. So I'm going to go into some detail here and unpack what this is all about. As we continue reading in verses 4, 5, and 6, it goes through and specifies that there are a lot of these, and they look different ways, and they have different manifestations, but there's only one God, only one Lord and Savior of all who has given them to you. And again, if you look at verse 7, it says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Meaning, this is, this is just cool. If you're a Christian, when you display your spiritual gift, you are displaying the Holy Spirit to the world. You, you, you are mirroring God himself to those within the church and those outside the church. When it says to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit, the, the showing of the Spirit, that this is what the Spirit looks like through you. And this isn't something that's just flippant. This isn't something that's designed to be, hey, you're, you're in the club now, so we're going to put a stamp on you, and we all have a stamp, and that's what means we're in the club. No. We all have different spiritual gifts, and when you use that, when you identify that, and when you use that, the, the Spirit is manifested in that. That it is shown, it is displayed, and it makes this thing that we call the body of Christ work well and properly and accomplish what it is designed to do. Which, as we saw in the first week, it is, it is God's design for development and discipleship of the believer and for the evangelism of the lost, which is what the, the body accomplishes when it's working all together. You show the Holy Spirit. Um, I mean, how many of you have ever heard of Charles Barkley? Okay, he's been retired for many years, and I don't want to assume. Um, basketball player, Hall of Famer, he's a commentator now, I think, for ESPN. Um, Great athlete. Um, he's well known for, for saying something pretty unfortunate um, at kind of the peak of his career. He said, he said, I am not a role model. Anybody remember that? Okay. He said, I am not a role model. And he got called out as well he should have. Um, and somebody was like, you're a professional athlete. Everybody is watching you. Every kid is watching you. There are kids out there who are idolizing you. They want to be you. They got your poster on the wall, and they got your jersey. And it's, all, it's almost like a how dare you make such an audacious statement. I mean, you're getting paid millions of dollars to be a superstar. You're talented, and you're using that um, to, with great success. It, it's not up to you to decide if you're a role model. It's not. You are. And so you need to own that, you know? And so for somebody of that magnitude to sit there and say, no, 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 people shouldn't be watching me, is essentially saying that I am in control. I, I, I'm the leader here. And, you know, you, you just keep your eyes on yourself and do what you want to do. But I'm not going to shine for you to, to mimic me. And I say that because a lot of times I don't think that we as Christians, hopefully, are nearly that arrogant. Uh, we definitely ought not be, but I don't. I don't hear that level of arrogance from, from the church at large, but a lot of times I think in ignorance, we don't realize that we show the Holy Spirit. We just do. 
in, in, in your circles of influence, your neighbors, coworkers, family, and friends, that you show the Holy Spirit. That, that, is, that is given to you. And it's not something to be like, you know, I want to step into the role of showing the Holy Spirit. No, if you're a Christ follower, you show the Holy Spirit. You know? And don't think you don't. Don't be arrogant and say, ah, you know what, I've had a lot of problems and I'm still struggling with areas in my life. And there's some things I want to work out, and so I just want to wait until I become a little bit more godly or a little bit more fixed or get some, some more handle on some sin in my life. That's not what the Bible says. That we are manifestations of the Holy Spirit working through us as we are part of the body of Christ, as the body of Christ affects itself, and as the body of Christ affects the lost world. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, jump down to verse 28. And God has appointed to the church, see that word appointed, he's given, you know, not like look, looking for a, a show of volunteers, hey, how many of you want to get spiritual gifts? God is appointed. God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, Helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Um, verse uh, 29. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly seek the higher gifts. This is one of the lists that we see in the New Testament of some examples of spiritual gifts. Now... Where's these sheets? I didn't grab one for myself. Is there a stack somewhere? In the back? Now, this is just great material. that um, I wanted to put in your hand because, again, I don't want you to get caught up with this right now, but this goes through and gives definitions to some of these. I mean, I say, what's the difference between the gift of wisdom and the gift of knowledge? You know, what's the difference between the gift of, of healing? And what's this stuff about miracles? Isn't that kind of weird? Don't we, like, not like those guys on TV? Um, and it gives some explanation. And it gives a lot of scripture. And if you want to learn more about finding out what your gift is, um, there are some very specific and concrete things. This is not designed to be a riddle. This is not designed to be some sort of uh, Sudoku that you sit there and try to match up all the numbers just right until you finally you know, have this enlightened moment. But the gifts are designed to be used in the church. So it only makes sense that you find out how and what your gifts are in the church. And, and what you need to do, first of all, is begin praying about it. Ask the Lord to show you what are the things, Father, that you have gifted me at. And what you also need to be doing is reading scripture that has to do with it. Because we've talked about how the word of God is living and active, and it speaks to us. That it's not just a true book, but it is a book that is alive, and it is God's word to us. That God is not just a God who exists, but he is a God that has spoken, which makes all the difference. And we can know him and his ways to us. So on this, uh, on the handout... There's a lot of scripture that has to do with spiritual gifts. The next thing that you can very simply do is begin serving. You know, look through the list of opportunities. Uh, two, I think it was two Sundays, maybe it was three Sundays ago, we had Gateway Sunday. Gateway Sunday was the opportunity for you to look at all the different things that we do as a church and look for something that, that you think, I think I might like to try that. And there's nothing wrong with going in and serving somewhere for a semester just to give it a try. See the things that resonate with you. And I think one of the best things that you can do is simply ask yourself the question, um, what do I enjoy? You know, 
Do I enjoy uh, kids? Do I enjoy students? Do I play an instrument? Do I enjoy interacting with people? Would I enjoy just greeting uh, people as they walk in? You know, a couple weeks ago when it was Christmas, I stood at one of the doors as a greeter, and um, I loved it. And all I was doing was like, good morning, you know, Merry Christmas. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not a greeter. I mean, I'm, I'm doing other things on Sunday morning, but we didn't have class, and I did that. And like, I, I loved it. And it was simple. I saw, I mean, I've been at this church a long time, and I saw a lot of people I didn't know. Um, and I didn't get to know them personally and intimately, but it was like, they might, this might be that first Sunday that they're coming to East Cooper, you know, it's Christmas. And then there's a smiling face saying, I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately glad you're here. And I think that can be something that God can use for the greater pur- eternal purposes, something that simple. But you're not going to find that out unless you're, unless you're tasting and seeing, you know? And, and ask people that you re- respect around you. You need to be involved in a community group. We've been banging that, banging that going for a while. But, I mean, if you don't have other people around you, if you don't have other people around you to say, hey, what do you think I'm good at? What, what are some things in me that you see? You need that, you know? You're not meant to be an island. So get out there. Start serving. Look for opportunities. If it's something you're like, you know what, I just, this, is, this isn't doing it. I don't, I, I don't like this. This doesn't energize me. Um, it's okay to say, I, I did that for a semester and, and try something else. This process is not necessarily something that is instantaneous. It might, it might take a while. Um, but we do know that we're supposed to be serving. We do know that we're supposed to be doing. And we do know that it's going to take and demand our time. And that it's a command, not just that we're asking as members of East Cooper Baptist Church, but it's in Scripture. If you're a part of the body, then that means you have a role. So work... Do your part as the, as the professional athlete um, to, to perform in a way. And, and again, hear what I'm saying, you know. But, but we, have, we have a role in this. We're in this together. This isn't, this isn't an individual sport. If you have more um, thoughts or questions or want some more clarity, talk to me. I'm available, okay. Um, Guys, I love to get together and grab coffee. And Lauren, it makes herself available to any of you ladies who want to speak further on this stuff. Um, but this, it's a great handout. This material was, was passed on to me. And, and check that out. Read it. Pray about it. Look at the scripture and see what the Lord would have you do. And treasure. Um, we believe that it's very scriptural to give uh, your money. Money is a tough subject to talk about. It's, uh, it's, it's tender, <laughs> you know? Uh, there's too many public stories of uh, Christian organizations and figures that have mismanaged and, and mishandled money, and it's real easy. And I've heard it from people at East Cooper um, who've said, like, ah, you know, like, I just, you just want our money. Or it's throughout Scripture. That part of being a, a part of the body of Christ is that you are supporting and enabling the body of Christ financially. Um, uh, flip the Old Testament, Second Chronicles, chapter thirty-one. I know it's way back there. Second Chronicles. <clears throat>
Second Chronicles 31, um, verse 5. It says, As soon as the command was spread abroad, the people of Israel gave in abundance the first fruits of grain, wine, oil, honey, and all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. Now this verse, obviously there's a broader context here, um, but this speaks of how uh, God's chosen people gave abundantly first, second they gave a tithe, um, and third they gave the first fruits, which means they gave off the top. And the things that they gave here would be equivalent to our salaries. They were farmers and uh, tradesmen, and they didn't necessarily receive money in the salary form. And they gave from God. They gave to God first. They gave abundantly, um, and it speaks of giving the tithe, which is a reference to the ten percent. Um, if you would flip to Malachi, chapter three. Malachi chapter 3. Last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3, uh, beginning in verse 8. Uh, Look at verse 7, I'm sorry. Malachi 3, 7. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? So the children of Israel have turned away, and the Lord says, you must come back. And they say, how have we turned away, and how then should we return? And this is the answer that God gives. He says, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? Answer in your tithes and your contributions. Um, that the people that God had chosen was not giving, and they were being condemned for it. Um, it's, it's it's hard to talk about because if it, it, when you're up front saying, "Hey, you need to you need to give, you need to give," it just sometimes it just it just feels bad. When and some people ask the question, "Well." What about the whole idea of tithing in the Old Testament, and is that really seen in in the New Testament? Flip to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. The next book. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you've grown up in the church like I have, a lot of times you hear these kind of verses. And even though it's not taught this way, I think it's a, in, in, a lot of, in a lot of ways, people read this verse. I know I did at one point in my life, these verses. And, and assume that it's just talking about obedience. You know, make sure you're doing the right thing. You know, make sure you're not sinning, cursing, lying. You know, that you're not, you know, having sex if you're not married. And, um, you know, you just don't, you know, behave. Um, but it's not what this is talking about. It's talking about the things that you have 
and the way that you give, that you are laying up for yourselves treasures in heaven, meaning that you're diverting things away from this earth and investing in heaven. Flip forward into to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Verse 21. Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When young men heard this, he went away sorrowful, and he had great, uh, for he had great possessions. This is Jesus Christ speaking here. And he said, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor. This is a command of Jesus um, that really speaks to the issue of giving generously. And if you do so, there will be reward. Giving generously of, your, of what you have now for the sake of something better, of great reward. All throughout Scripture, we see the idea of generous living and generous giving. Um, I'm going to move on from this. But we see in Scripture at East Cooper that um, the tithe is really the, 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 the starting point. We see that clearly in the Old Testament, and we see the principle carried on in the New Testament. That the tithe is something that is a base level of really expectation that we see in Scripture. But that we as believers are not supposed to just live by a checklist, but are supposed to live under this idea of generous living. Um, let me read this to you in uh, 2 Corinthians Eight, you don't have to flip there, but it says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches in Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity. This is speaking of the early church that gave abundantly and they were extremely poor, stricken with poverty, it says. Yet they were giving abundantly. And this is a level of poverty that we don't deal with in America, you know? But they are noted for all of eternity, and Scripture is given abundantly. Um, there is a book by Randy Alcorn. It's a little tiny, tiny book. It's this big. It's about 100 pages with big type. <laughs> it's called The Treasure Principle, and it's a great description of what it means to give and to give generously and give abundantly. And if you have further questions about this, or if you're unclear of what Scripture has to say and expectation in the New Testament, I will give you this book. Just let me know. Okay, I'll get you a copy. We're making them available because we know that people have questions on this stuff. So time, talent, and treasure. Um, I'm so sorry that I started late and we've gone a little bit long. Um, I'll briefly go through what it means to reach. We have many, many opportunities at our church. If you go to eastcooperbaptist.com, it says uh, serve. You can click on serve and you have local missions. And I printed out local missions and ministries, and I printed this out once, and it was like three or four pages, all over the community, opportunities to serve. And we as a church put a very, very high value on participating in global missions because we believe that we've been given much, and according to Matthew 25, those who've been given much will be expected much, that there are churches around the world that are in poverty, that there are churches around the world that are in a, under extreme pressure and persecution, and that we have the means both give and to send and to pray and to participate in global missions. And there's a plethora of ways for you to give. If you tithe here, a portion of that goes to global missions. If you give the Lottie Moon um, offering, which goes throughout the rest of this week, it is a huge portion, a portion 
huge amounts of money go to uh, the International Mission Board and sends thousands of missionaries out. We're having the Global Impact Conference at the end of February as an opportunity to expose us to world expose us to world missions um, so that we can interact with those that are actually out there going on the front lines. And this is not a call for you to go, but it's a call for you to participate, whether it's through your prayers, through your finances, or through an email to somebody who's living in a tough place and will put a smile on their face and think this is worth it because they got encouragement from home. Many ways and opportunities to serve. If you feel like God might be calling you to serve, shoot me an email. We want to talk to you and tell you what that looks like, roads that you could take, how to best do that, and how to define if this is a real calling in your life and how we could affirm that in you. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your body. And Father, I ask that you please do a work through us that we would, Father, get, get better at this, that, we, that, that this is a place where we can be equipped and we can be uh, trained, but Father, not then just live, but Father, that we would be working together as a body um, to further affect your kingdom on this earth until the day you come. We love you. We thank you for what you've done for us through Christ on the cross. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Hey, grab some information in the back for all the stuff you've got going on. Thanks for being here this morning.